Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Good morning. I hope you are well. It's great to be with you this morning. My name's Jake and I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Riverside Vineyard Church. This morning we're going to be continuing our series looking together at the book of Hebrews. And a few weeks ago I spoke about the context of this book. And I think it's important that this context continues to be fresh in our minds as we approach uh, the text. So a quick reminder of the context in order that it can stay fresh in our minds this morning. The book was written to Jewish Christians. The author was intending for the Jewish Christians to read it. And being Jewish Christians, they knew the Old Testament really well. They knew the law, the prophets and the stories, particularly those in the Torah. But these Jewish Christians were being persecuted. They were being persecuted because they were following the way of Jesus Christ. And as a result of this persecution, some of them were leaving their faith. Some of them were giving up on their Christian faith. They were deciding to go back to their Jewish roots and to leave behind following Jesus. The difference between a Jew and a Jewish Christian in this first century was simply dependent on who they believed Jesus to be and whether they chose to follow him. So the focus of this book, because of this, because the author is writing to these Jewish Christians, because the author is writing to Jewish Christians that are thinking about leaving behind their faith, The focus of the book is to remind the readers that Jesus is greater than everything and to persuade them from a theological understanding, from an understanding of who Jesus is, to persuade them that they must not give up on their faith in Jesus. They must not give up following Jesus. Right at the start of the book, the author approaches this by arguing that Jesus is greater than the angels. And Simon did a great talk about that a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, Amy spoke on how the author then goes on to look at how Jesus came to earth as a human and atoned for sins. And in doing this, he was greater than any Jewish, any pre-Jesus atonement. So we find ourselves this morning in Hebrews chapter 3, where the author argues Jesus is greater than Moses. So let's read this passage together now and dive into what the author says. It's quite a long passage, so you might want to get Hebrews chapter 3 open, but we're going to read the whole thing together before we uh, chat about it. So starting at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 3. 
Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger that it shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were, th- who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not the, all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. There's a lot of focus on Moses in this passage. About four times, uh, Moses is brought up. Jesus is called greater than Moses. But to us, reading it today, this concept isn't that difficult to digest. You don't need to be a devout Christian to understand that followers of Jesus, Christians, see Jesus as higher as a bigger deal as more important than Moses right in fact speaking honestly the name Moses when we hear about Moses it doesn't provoke much emotion to many of us to the vast majority of us watching this morning I would suggest that we would see him as a man that did some pretty cool stuff in the Old Testament. He was a leader and God used him to do great things. But it would probably stop there for lots of us. That's probably as far as it goes in terms of how we feel about Moses. But to those that the author was writing to, to those that the book of Hebrews was written for, 
to these Jewish Christians in the first century, there was a much deeper understanding of who Moses was. So I guess we have to ask the question as we start, who is Moses to first century Jewish Christians? Well, firstly, it's important that we realise that Moses is thought of in uh, Judaism, in early Judaism, as the great leader. The first century Jews would consider Moses as the greatest and most successful leader in their history. Not only did he lead Israel out of slavery, but he then led them into the promised land. And there was lots of trouble that he had to deal with in that time, but he got them there. Moses is thought of as this great leader that did so much for Israel, for the Jewish people. And it's important to note onto that, that the readers, those reading Hebrews, those that the book was intended for, in this time they would have cared a lot more and had an emotional attachment to their ancestors, a lot more than we generally do today. They felt more connected to what has gone on in the past And they would have seen Moses as a hero for what he did for their ancestors more than 1300 years prior to those reading it. They would have seen their ancestors as a part of them. We don't really have that so much today, but they would have seen him as that. So being a great leader so many years ago, they would have seen more as a leader of their own faith. So firstly, Moses, to these readers, to the audience of Hebrews, is the, not a, the great leader. Secondly, Moses is the great teacher. To the Jews in the first century, he was the great teacher. The readers probably would have seen Moses as the author of the Torah. So because of this, because he is seen as the author of the Torah, he is seen as the giver of the law. Now, today, many Jews would argue that many theologians, many Jewish theologians would argue that Moses was probably partly uh, the author of the Torah, but not fully. But back then, it would have been argued that Moses was the full author of the Torah. So Moses was really connected to their law, to everything that was written, to everything that they learned, to everything that they held so high, the Torah that was such a massive thing in Judaism. Moses was at the centre of it. Moses was the great teacher from which they learn all of their theology, from which they learn about who God was. To this day, Moses is called uh, Moses, our teacher. Many Jews would see him as Moses, the greatest teacher. So not only was Moses thought of by the readers as the great leader, he was also thought of as the great teacher. But finally, and most importantly, 
most importantly for today, for what I want to look at today. Moses to the readers was the greatest prophet. Now, if we're to understand this chapter today, if we're to understand Hebrews 3 and the intentions of the author, if we're to understand what it means for Jesus to be greater than Moses, we must understand what it means for Moses to be the greatest prophet. Now, I know that especially in the modern context, we would see the greatest prophet and the greatest teacher as kind of the same thing. We would see those two things and and think, well, didn't you just say that they saw Moses as the greatest teacher? Why are you now telling me something so very similar? But Moses' reputation as the greatest prophet went and goes much further for the Jews than him simply being the greatest teacher. In fact, Moses was understood as a mediator between God and humankind. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, God used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And equally, Not only did God speak to Moses in such a way, not only did God speak to Moses that Moses would then go and reveal what God has said to God's people, not only was he a mediator in that God would speak directly to him and then he would go, but also Moses intercedes for Israel and approaches God with requests. In the Old Testament, we see Moses go to God and say, have favour on your people, have favour on Israel, treat them with grace. You see Moses bargain with God for how God treats Israel. He was a mediator between the people and God. As a mediator, Moses kind of stood in the gap. The role of Moses and in particular how he was seen by these first century Jews makes me think of a person who's trying to set two people up. You know, sometimes if you have a friend from one sphere of life and a friend from another sphere of life and you try to match them together, you speak to one of them and you tell them a little bit about the other person and you try to... um, see if they're interested and then you go to another and you do the same. You're kind of between the two trying to put them together. Now I'm not calling Moses Tinder this morning but Moses is understood as a mediator who speaks to both sides and feeds it back, who tries to help bring the two together just like the matchmaker. Throughout the Old Testament, there is constantly this need for a mediator between God and God's people. The reason for this mediator, and it's going to get a little bit theological here, and in a way I'm sorry, but in another way, this is really important for us to understand and grasp the theological concept behind a mediator if we are to understand anything about Jesus. So, 
try to uh, focus even as we get a little bit theological uh, in this moment. But the idea of a mediator throughout the Old Testament is the way that we see God relate to his people. And the reason of this, the reason a mediator is needed is because God is totally other. God is totally holy, absolute and transcendent. So how can one have any contact with such a God? How can one have any knowledge of such a God that is totally other? Well, the God of the Bible isn't accessed directly. Instead, in the Old Testament, God is accessed through mediators. These mediators were the law, the temple, wisdom, rituals and prophets. It was only through these things, through these mediators, that one could get a glimpse of God. But the important thing in regards to this, important thing in regards to the whole narrative of scripture, the God story, the story of the world, is that all of these mediators failed. They could only go so far in bridging the gap between us and between God. So what is it then? that makes Jesus greater than the prophets, greater than the mediators that are the prophets, greater than Moses. Well, Jesus is greater because he is the ultimate, the perfect mediator between us and God. And there are two main reasons why he is, and it's because of his character. Both reasons are because of who he is as the person of Jesus. Two aspects of Jesus that bring him to be the ultimate and perfect mediator between us and God. The first reason is this. Jesus shows us true humanity. Jesus shows us true humanity. Sometimes when people are talking about Jesus, talking about the essence of Jesus, talking about their Christology, the theology of Jesus, sometimes we can jump straight to the divinity of Christ, to how Jesus is God. But the problem is, if we jump straight to the divinity of Christ then we miss the entire narrative of the Bible. Salvation is not about being God, but about being human in the way that God intended us to be. So Jesus in coming to earth was the real human, the true Israel, the very wisdom of God. And I know this is quite theologically heavy, but it is vital that we understand the humanness of Jesus. Otherwise, we miss the richness of who he is. Jesus's relation to the human is quite simple, really. 
Jesus fulfills all of the relational requirements God and others expect from us. In doing so, Jesus fulfills all that it means to be human and thus fulfills the law. He fulfills all that it means to be human, all that we were supposed to live. He fulfills humanness, completed it, mate. And because Jesus fulfills and replaces the law, it is now Jesus who reveals God's glory. Jesus reveals God's glory by being obedient, by being faithful, by being self-sacrificing and being other-centred. That is who it is to be God, to be like Jesus. You may have heard something called Adam language when people are describing Jesus. Jesus sometimes called the second Adam. And this description goes back to Genesis, goes back to the story of how God's creation turned their back on him and decided to live a different way. We decided not to follow the way of who God had created us to be. And in doing so, we lost this relational requirement that God had on us. We put a gap between us and God. But this description of God as Jesus, sorry, as the second Adam, it's about showing. It's about being the model of what humanity is what humanity was created to really be, what humanity should be. About being the second Adam, the take two of Adam. But this is only possible if Jesus was sinless on human terms. If Jesus was simply God and no human and came and lived this perfect life, then he wouldn't fulfil the relational requirements for humans But it's because he was human, because he came as a man that he was able to fulfil these requirements, that he was able to do a take two, that he was able to fulfil these relational requirements by being man. So Jesus is greater in his humanity than Moses was or ever could be. He models to us the design of humankind and our created purpose. Without Jesus' humanness, his death and resurrection would have no saving consequence to us. His humanness is vital in the redemptive nature of who he is. So where Moses fell short of God's relational standards, Jesus fulfilled them and showed what it really means to be human. So firstly, why is Jesus greater than Moses? Jesus shows true humanity. Jesus is a greater human. Jesus is more human than Moses could ever be. 
yet in tension with this, as we see in the passage that we read this morning, Jesus is also spoken about as God. It said this to just go back to the passage uh, starting at verse three in Hebrews chapter three says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So because of this divinity, Jesus fulfilled what Moses was unable to fulfill. Jesus carried out and implemented God's promises, dreams and personality. We read it right at the start a few weeks ago of the book of Hebrews, didn't we? Right at the start where it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, Moses was able to bring messages from God to Israel, but Jesus was able to be the message from God to all. So question this morning, what is it that gives us the understanding that Jesus is God? Why is it that we, well, many of us may be believing this morning that Jesus is God? When I was at Bible college, there was a lecturer called Graham McFarlane. Now, Graham was a brilliant lecturer, but every time you entered his class, you panicked, especially in the first year. You would enter his classroom in fear, fear of being exposed as someone who knows nothing about their own faith. Every lecture, he would start by making the point that the majority of us in the room don't know why we believe what we believe. He would ask a really simple question and then watch us panic. And one morning he decided to ask this question, this fundamental question. What makes you think Jesus is God? Now, the response was silence because we knew that if you spoke up, you were likely to make a fool of yourself. It wasn't that no one had an idea, but we didn't want to look silly. On such a fundamental question, we didn't want to look silly. So doing what Graham did, he picked on someone in the room and said, you, why do you think Jesus is God? And they gave a, a pretty good answer. It was, it was around the resurrection of Jesus. And Graham says, okay, great. So there are two gods, are there? Jesus and Lazarus. And then he moved on to the next person. He said, anyone else? pointed to someone else and they said well the bible tells us and graham answered well where for example in hebrews it was said good but what makes the author of hebrews believe that jesus is god the conversation went uh went further and further for the next hour now graham's point was this 
often we believe things simply because we've been told to believe them, simply because that's what we've always been told. But if someone walked in this morning and asked you the question, why is Jesus God? What makes you think Jesus is God? And they've got no background of church. They haven't read the Gospels before. What would your answer be? Would we really know what to say? Well, I'm going to give what I believe the answer to be from my perspective. Why do I think Jesus is God? Well, I think we know he's God relationally. Because Jesus throughout the Gospels is understood to relate to the Father in a unique way. Whilst there's some kind of hierarchy where Jesus clearly obeys the Father, Jesus is made one with the Father. And the Father says, this is my Son whom I am well pleased. But also Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And he is given lordship over the Spirit of which God cannot be separated from. So Jesus is clearly linked in this way with God. He is one with God and therefore must be God also. And throughout scripture, we see Jesus described as being God with us. So Jesus was able to fulfil something that Moses wasn't able to feel in being God, in showing God, in being the exact representation of God, in showing the radiance of God's glory. So Jesus shows us through his humanity, he is able to be the second Adam. Through his humanity, he is greater than Moses because he's more human than Moses could ever be. But in his divinity, he is able to show us God's personality. He's able to show us God's likeness. He's able to show us God's glory. So Moses was able to show the Jewish Christians messages about who God was. He was able to mediate in that he brought the law and communicated God's will to his people. But what the author is saying in this book of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater because he can truly mediate between God and humans. Because he is more human than anyone you will ever meet. And he is God. He is true humanity and he is God. Through Jesus, we can not only know God in our heads, but we can know him in our hearts and have intimacy with him. Because God is so other, we can often confuse God as being far away, as being distant, but the reality is quite the opposite. Throughout the whole narrative of scripture, God wanted to know us, want to have relationship with us, wanted to be intimate with us so much so that he had mediators, that he could have this relational um, aspect to us, that we could relate to him. But these didn't work. But because of Jesus, we can encounter him through the person of Jesus. We can know him fully and we can know him directly. 
And this isn't just about Jesus's life 2000 or so years ago. This is about the person and the work of who Jesus is, who we see in the spirit. Through his spirit, we can know him. We can have relationship with him and we can have intimacy with him. The truth of this uh, passage is that Jesus is far greater than any mediator between us and God. Instead, he is true humanity and true God. And he wants to know us deeply. And he has sent his spirit to be with us that he can have intimacy with us forever. So why don't we ask him to come this morning? Why don't we ask him to come by his spirit and be with us here as we are today? So let's pray, let's wait on God. Father, will you come through your spirit? Jesus, will you be with us as we are in this place? We wait for you. We wait for you. As we've just been waiting, I just feel God saying, knock and the door will be opened. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you shall find. Lord, we pray for everyone joining this morning. We pray that you will meet with them today, that they will know more deeply who you are. Thank you that through Jesus, we can know you directly. We can know your personality. We can relate with you. We can have true intimacy with you. So Lord, as we sing this final song of worship, will you meet with us now that we will know you more deeply than we did this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.